Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Catholic Dogs Podcast. On today's episode, Father Brian sits down with Jake Blair, our Seeking Water Coordinator. And they talk about songwriting and King David and how to incorporate scripture into your homilies and all these other wonderful things. It's an awesome conversation. We really hope you guys enjoy it. Again, if you want to get involved, you can find more information at ccatuga.org or follow us on Instagram at Catholic Dogs. Enjoy. My father knew my heart before I knew his name. Every piece and every part, every trial, every Father knew my fears before I knew his grace. Every mountain, every valley, every giant I would face. Your love never changes, but it changes things. It changes things. Sing. 
I see what you were saying with David. So you go into Psalm 51. Yeah, we break it down a little bit. We go into Psalm 51. You get you get things like, um, uh, as far as specifically Psalm 51, come create in me a clean heart. Um, and then specifically to David, we talk about, you know, every mountain, every valley, every giant I would face. Um, specifically, you know, David and Goliath. And then uh, towards the end of the bridge, we sing, Oh, restore in me your melody. Sing over me, come change me. The idea there is, uh, you know, David's incredibly musical, you know, and uh, bringing that into things. Come restore in me your melody, the way that the Lord, you know, with a melody, when we think about a melody, we think about the right way to hear a song. You know, that's what a melody is. It's the right way that uh, things are supposed to come through. And when we think about David's life and we relate his life to a melody, we think about the Lord and we think about the way that the Lord's melody is going throughout his life and he's changing him to become more like him. What's the significance of David uh, to you? So for me, uh, when I was working on the song, originally I did not go into it with a thought, oh, this is going to be David's song. You know, I mean, <laughs> we're making music for the Lord, so it specifically uh, was supposed to go in the direction. I just had the, I just had the chorus stuck in my head of "Your love never changes, but it changes things." Your love never changes, but it changes me. It's a simple concept. Uh, God's love never changes, but the more that we know His love, the more it changes us and makes us look like Him, which is awesome. Um, but as far as David goes, um, what a great example. Um, you know, to live by. What a great example to uh, be able to see somebody that's a humbled servant of God and, uh, you know, serves as a king after his own heart. What I'd like to talk about is your experience in Houston. So if you could, like, paint the picture of, like, one, how you were going there. Like, what was that? How did you got that opportunity? Two, what that looked like. Uh, and then three... Also, just like, I don't know, any profound experiences that were there or cool experiences or like what it did for you and how you're at what the aftermath is like? Um, I was taking a summer class and was spending a lot of time on that. And James and I had been cooking up some stuff that we were going to do here on campus this semester called Wellspring. 
Wellspring was uh, the concept uh, based on, you know, Jesus meets uh, the woman at the well and, uh, you know, he tells her, you know, you can have uh, this water, but the water that I will give you will give you eternal life, uh, you know, a spring uh, welling up into eternal life. And so we were going to do some stuff with that. And so James has been part of Novum Records, which is this awesome community of just Catholic uh, worship leaders and songwriters and producers. Um, and uh, they're based over in Texas. And so James has been a part of their community for a long time. And um, he said that he wanted to get a meeting between uh, me and the head of the record label to talk about doing a potential project you know, called Wellspring with them. And so um, we had that meeting, we did a Zoom call, and uh, crazy enough, it turns out, I was like, wow, this guy looks really familiar. It turns out that the head of the record label, I had actually met him years ago at an Alive in You conference in high school. So he was part of the worship team for that, he was playing keys. And um, it was uh, actually several members of Novum Record, or Novum, uh, Novum Records were leading the conference uh, the worship for the weeks. So it was really neat. Um, I had already, you know, met a few of them. They, um, we made the connection that I was the kid that, uh, was into the music stuff. And so I went up and talked to them after the worship set on like the first night. And, uh, they gave me the backstage tour of the, all their gear, which was really cool. And we made that connection and, uh, that was really funny. And, uh, they, uh, they kind of took a risk and they said, Hey, we never do this, but we have this writing conference uh, coming up in the fall, and uh, we would love for you to come if you're able to and just come experience it with us and be with us. And uh, I was super excited. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's not every day you get an opportunity like that. And so I was, like, trying to convince my parents, like, please let me do this. Like, I know school is so important. Um, it is. I will make sure and have everything organized so I can leave for a few days and Eventually, they just said, well, it's on you. <laughs> and so um, came to school and uh, was looking forward to it for weeks. And uh, we, uh, we went and we flew up to Houston and we got picked up by the record uh, label's company's, uh, the head of the record label's wife, wonderful uh, Catholic lady. She's one of the heads of youth ministry for uh, Catholicism in um actually in uh, Britain, which is really cool. And so we went over there, and uh, we spent a lot of time with them. Uh, the first thing that we did was we went in and we met uh, with Simple Offering. Simple Offering are these, uh, it's a husband and wife couple, Mark and Lily. They are super, super talented people. Go check them out on Spotify if you get the chance. Um, they have a new uh, album that just came out, and uh, it's incredible, so go listen to it. But uh, so we got to sit down with them for a little bit and I was just like fangirling a little bit. I was just like, oh, my gosh, like you guys are so cool. And oh, my gosh, I thought you guys were older people, but you guys are so young. They were literally two and four years older than myself. And I was like, wow, the Lord's using people that are young to do his will. This is really cool. So that opened up uh, things a lot for me, too. And they're they're also a married couple, which. Um, me being a young Catholic guy and, uh, you know, trying to find my vocation, it's just really neat to be around, you know, holy people and holy people that are living out obviously what the Lord has for them and being able to say yes to the will of God, even at such a young age, because people don't, um, you know, 
people uh, in the Catholic Church a lot of times quarrel with uh, the idea that saying yes to the will of God means that you have to be a priest. A lot of people will say, you know, saying yes to the will of God, that means so much. They put a lot of pressure on that, and that it just means the priesthood or something like that for a young man. But at the same time, being young and getting married, that's also saying yes to the will of God, if that's what the Lord has. Um, Yeah, so uh, we spent some time with them, and uh, we had a writing session as soon as everybody arrived. um, Just got to know all the people there. there are about 15 to 20 uh, different artists there, and uh, we had a writing session where we, uh, we wrote based on um, the scripture where uh, the Lord tells um, the people, he says, do not be like the people uh, that pray in the streets, that fast and, uh, you know, talk about it, complain about it. Um, your father uh, sees you when you pray, you know, with your door closed in secrecy. That's where your father meets you. So that was our first prompt. And so uh, we prayed about that and wrote about it. It was really cool. Um, And we all met back up and uh, James and uh, Mark from Simple Offering, they they crushed it and they were the first ones done. They wrote a whole song on it, it's beautiful. so then uh, from there on, throughout the weekend, we had a few different sessions and psalm writings. So I myself got the pleasure of working on between, uh, it was at least 14 to 18 psalms uh, to be played in Mass, which was really cool. Um, really good experience. Uh, it was really interesting for me being somebody that's not used to playing complete liturgical music to be able to apply my own you know, knowledge to produce liturgical music, which was really cool. Um, Really cool weekend. Uh, We spent a lot of time. We relaxed a lot, had a lot of really good conversations. We had a priest staying with us, um, and he was fantastic, young priest, and he said Mass for us all three mornings uh, that we were waking up in the living room for every day that he was there, and doing Mass in the living room, oh my goodness, there is nothing like it. It's so intimate, and you're with, you know, visualize this, you're in a living room, the priest is sitting, he's sitting in a gaming chair, and he's got a end table from a bed as his altar, and you're in there, and the room is packed with 15 to 20 worship leaders. All I can say is the music in the Mass the praises were rising. It was so beautiful. It was incredible. Um, yeah, it was awesome. And so uh, that may have been one of my favorite part of the, uh, parts of the weekend was doing the Mass in the living room. Um, we'd have a good breakfast after Mass every morning. We'd have some bacon, eggs, uh, just good stuff. And uh, just had a lot of good community time, a lot of writing sessions. We probably, I think we had 10 writing sessions total. 10 two-hour sessions where we worked on different songs. So that was a great experience uh, to really dig in and finish some stuff up. Um, Towards the end of the weekend, um, this was a pivotal writing session for myself. Uh, I came into the weekend with a copy of the Litany of Trust that was given to me by a friend here at UGA. And she was like, oh my gosh, like this is such a beautiful prayer. I feel this for you right now. But at the same time, you should write it as a song. This is awesome. And so um, if you know anything about the Litany of Trust, it's about, you know, you know, from, 
from the fear of not being enough, from the fear of being asked to give more than I have, you know, deliver me. And uh, then the second part is, you know, declaring something like um, giving all that I have or uh, supporting others. I, Jesus, I trust in you. Uh, just being able to declare that over your life, that uh, you give God control, you give the Lord complete, uh, you know, sovereignty over all of your actions, over all of your choices, and just allowing him to fill every space in your heart. Um, and so we got the opportunity to write a song on that, and we picked and pulled apart from uh, the litany of trust some parts that were really sticking out to us, and uh, we got to write a little bit about people's, uh, you know, struggle with addiction and with, uh, you know, the lies that we believe in society. And so that was really incredible. Wrote that with uh, James Perkins, with uh, Mark from Simple Offering, my friend Abraham Salas, he lives in Houston, um, and uh, myself, and uh, also Eric Wilkes. And man, Eric Wilkes, just going to give him a shout out, super talented guy, super full of the spirit, super excited for him. He's engaged to the love of his life right now, so super excited for them. Um yeah, but that was beautiful. And then we got the opportunity later in the day when we did our uh, worship night. It was kind of a presentation of everything that we'd written. It was the last day, and uh, we got the opportunity to play the song. Um, and we led all these worship leaders in worship, James and myself. And it was beautiful. It was something else. I mean, uh, there's no other way to describe it. Uh, but the Lord was so present, and He was so there. And uh, there was so many rededications of trust to him that night um, just from faithful holy people and uh, it was a good reminder of the fact that you know though we are pursuing Christ and though we're trying to walk in the light you know and we might be there or we may think that we're there it's always good and it's always okay to rededicate your trust to him you know and so that was awesome and then uh, yeah we just had a great night that night we, we went swimming in the pool uh, at the place that we were staying at, and uh, it was great. Just spent some time, talked to the priest for a really long time that night. Um, throughout the weekend, I actually I discovered a lot about myself that I, I couldn't replace the experience with anything else. There was a, uh, a, a long period uh, in my last few years of college where I've really been questioning, what am I going to do with my life? is this really what I want to do? Is this really what I want to study? Um, I'm studying my major's risk management insurance. So I'm pursuing a BBA there. And uh, I've had a lot of, you know, quarrels like, Lord, do you want me to do music full time? Lord, do you want me to serve you in the special ed community? Lord, do you want me to uh, serve in any other? I've changed my major about five or six times. So um, ended up settling on this. Um, uh, the weekend gave me a lot of clarity. I, uh, through a conversation with uh, our guest priest that was staying with us, he uh, brought something to my attention about insurance and, uh, you know, the fact that we need holy people that serve uh, just in business. I'll get to it in a second, but I'm going to give some background first as far as insurance goes and how I found this major. So I'm the youngest of three brothers. Both of my older brothers have graduated college. Um, the oldest one majored in risk management insurance, and he double he double majored, so he did economics as well. And then my middle brother majored in finance, and he uh, graduated in that. And both of my brothers 
post-college work in the insurance industry. And so they both have uh, great jobs. Uh, they serve people all the time, and um, they love it. And so they were trying to get me to be interested in it for a long time, and I looked into it. It, it didn't seem all too interesting to me. Um, but uh, through the weekend, to, to double back to what I was talking about uh, with the conversation with the priest, it was after breakfast. We were having some coffee, just chatting, and uh, we were talking about the church and uh, Christ's presence in his church and brought up a really um, important point. So my oldest brother, he is what's called an underwriter for insurance. So he writes policies and uh, he is able to control that and control payouts. And his main, uh, his main gig in his job and his main, his niche, I guess, is writing policies involving uh, sexual harassment and sexual misconduct and things of that nature, things that are really hard to talk about. Um, and so he's got a lot of weight on his shoulders uh, writing those policies and making those decisions. He's a very smart guy. He's very educated. And one thing that he will tell me all the time is that the only policy that he can't write, the only one, the only place that he can't write is the Catholic Church. And that absolutely breaks my heart. Um, just being able to think that there have been so many offenses uh, with uh, bad priests and uh, different people that misrepresent us and Christ, that there's been so much separation there that it's bled into business, that a business can't even ensure the church that Christ is present in. Um, and so... Upon talking to the priest and uh, talking about this with him, uh, really brought to my attention that wow, this this is tough, but it's also a fantastic opportunity to be able to serve in a place that needs it, to be able to be a holy representative of Christ's church, to be, you know, a man that lives by the word, um, and being able to be in that that fire zone being able to be somebody that advocates for the fact that Christ is still present in his church, being able to be somebody that, uh, you know, fights for that every day and seeks uh, the hearts of others. But, yeah, so I guess that that coming to that over the weekend really uh, helped me to find a lot more peace um, in choosing what I want to do with my life and choosing the area that I feel called because I absolutely feel called at this point to go serve and, uh, be in business and provide, uh, you know, a little bit of heart for the church. Yeah. So Pope Francis came out with a document a couple of years ago called Christ is Alive, and it's basically on the youth. And it was a product of uh, all of the bishops of the world meeting in the Vatican in Rome and also having soundings or panels by young people. And so they came from all over the world. Uh, I was actually in Rome, Italy at the time, uh, but it was a three-week con three-week conference that they had, and the fruit of that sounding panels, discussion, hearings, all this stuff was that uh, they came out with this document called Christ is Alive, Christus Vivit is the title in Latin, and so what he does is, what Francis does is that he goes through like the youth of scripture, and then also he talks about how Christ was a youth which was interesting because mm -hmm. you don't always think about that. 
Uh, I'm 30 years old, and so that's when we say that Christ started his public ministries at 30 mm-hmm. years old. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, there's, there's, something, there's something cool about that, about how like you, we identify as youth, and we identify as Christ working within his church as a youth, uh, using us now, using us today. Uh, and then also in terms of laity, so there in uh, in the 20th century in Vatican II was this big conference, global conference again, uh, that that was actually about I think it was five years. It was a five year conference where all the leaders of the Catholic Church got together and they kind of read the signs of the times, uh, and one of the things that they um, wrote about that was a fruit of that meeting and gathering was the laity, right, and, and the the call of all peoples to holiness, the call of all peoples to greatness. And ultimately, John Paul II, who was, a, I think he was at this Vatican II conference, uh, I think he was a big player there, but eventually he becomes Pope, Carol Wojtyła, he becomes Pope and took upon the name John Paul II, and then uh, kind of led this message, and he traveled around the world with this message of, of the laity being uh, individuals, men and women, who are also called to greatness. And like you said, it's not just the religious folks saying yes to God. The fiat, the fiat of Mary saying mm-hmm. yes to God, saying mm-hmm. yes to the Spirit is not just something that's for religious folks, but it's for everybody. And it's transformative, yeah. uh, and it's, it's everybody's calling. When you talk about uh, discerning God's will, the way that I speak about that is like reading the stuff that's on your heart, so like that's already there as opposed to like trying to figure out a, a blueprint that is out there that only God knows that you're waiting to figure out. Yeah. Uh, basically, it's like, no, just read your heart and allow your heart to like pour out. And so when you're discerning or thinking about like your future, we all discernment is always between good things. And so whatever it is that you are doing uh, in terms of music or in business or in family or in ministry, uh, all of these are great things to discern, uh, but they're all good, and it's all goodness, and it's all something that you will encounter Christ in. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's it's fantastic. all this it's all the stuff that's on that is in your heart. Uh, to so like discerning God's will or trying to figure out what God's will. I always point people to their heart, or at least to share what's on your heart. Then you can usually tell it's like, oh well, that's what's on your heart. That's what you'd like to do. Those are yeah. the desires that you have. Yeah, I guess for a long time when I was trying to figure things out, I mean, of course, I'm 20 years old. I'm still figuring things out, and I'm going to be probably, you know, I don't know, for the next 60, 70, 80 years, you know, of course. Um, that's That advice that you're giving of searching yourself, that's advice for all ages. I, I'd say, you know, I'd say I don't, I don't think that's a – I think that's a one-size-fits-all kind of thing because – for me, when I was trying to search, I guess that was what I was trying to come to was I was trying to come to the point of seeing what's right in front of my face and seeing, uh, you know, the things that I've already heard. And um, I was digging, I was reaching, I was trying to find, you know, what's the next big thing. But, you know, being still and being able to listen and being able to slow down uh, brought a lot of peace and kind of being more confident in the fact that this might be what Christ is calling me to. And taking a pulse of where you're at, right? I try to do that on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. It's taking a pulse of seeing like, okay, where am I? How am I doing? What is it that I need? What is it that I'm neglecting? 
where have I gone astray? What has been like a graceful thing or a blessing of the week or the day? Uh, but ch- taking that pulse of like identifying where I am, it allows me to see God's activity. Yeah. And a lot of my, my interactions with students, uh, your peers, is like I get to hear from them, hear where they're at. And so I get to like just relay back to them their pulse of like how they're doing, of where God's working, of, of the stuff that they may not be able to see. Um, but bringing another person into that uh, helps to like clarify and organize and, and just kind of point to stuff. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny because, like, it's one of those things where it's uh, once you say it, <laughs> that's when it becomes not true. As in once you say, I've got things figured out, that's when something changes or something, you know, you know something's going to happen. Uh, it's funny how that works out. And that's, that's kind of what's been uh, going on for me lately. Uh, it's, things have been really good. And, uh, yeah, since that last weekend that we had in Houston, it was awesome. Yeah, so tell me about, uh, go back to writing, so the experiences of writing music. Uh, that's such a creative thing that you you generate something w- from within. Yeah. Right, and you create something that's not there. You articulate something or you bring sound to something that is not there. Yeah, so... And you make it become there. You make it be. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um as far as writing uh, worship music goes, a lot of it comes from, you know, like when we were singing the song Changes, we were talking about that. It comes from a concept or an idea or a scripture. It's always inspired by something. Like the song Changes, uh, you know, we were talking about the idea that God's love never changes, but the more that we know his love, the more it changes us. Hence, your love never changes, but it changes me. Um, and when we write, uh, when we're writing worship music, it's all formulated off of uh, that one idea or that one phrase that uh, we just, you know, we come across, we get stuck. It's it's kind of actually similar to what we were just talking about. It's not always easy to reach for something. I'd say about with the music that I've written so far, which I haven't uh, produced or recorded anything uh, professionally yet, but in all the songs that I've been writing none of the ideas were from something that I tried to reach and grab. It was already within me. Like it was, it was something that I had to search, something that was going on in my life. That was where that came from. And then taking that idea, putting it down and seeing it and then seeing multiple other words within that phrase that you can add on, that's where it comes from. And then taking that, going to scripture, taking scripture, sometimes putting it directly in, that's where it all comes from. That's the magic. All right, do that again. Do that again, because I think you just summarized the spiritual life very well, or at least the spiritual practice. Yeah, because that's my experience of preaching as well. Uh, but if you get, yeah, explain that again. Um, so basically the process goes, uh, you search inside yourself for a thought or an idea. You're looking for what the Lord's been putting on your heart or something that you're experiencing. So you're taking your pulse. You take your pulse. You take your pulse. That's perfect. Um you take from that, and then uh, you put it down, and uh, you journal a little bit about it, or you put it on paper, and uh, you look inside of that phrase, and you look for other words and other phrases that the Lord's trying to tell you through that. And, and then... And how do you do that? Um, pray about it, look at it, think about it, and then you take from that, 
uh, the third step, you apply scripture and you go and you do a search and you find different areas and different things in scripture. It's, it's, it's really interesting because sometimes you'll look in on the scripture that you're looking for and you'll find exactly what you were looking for. Like exactly what, even if it's not for the song, you'll find exactly what the Lord wanted to speak to you. It's really interesting. Um, it's like connecting a puzzle piece, but yeah, that's where the magic happens. And then where do you go from there? <laughs> then, uh, you take it, you throw it down, um, uh, metaphorically and you put some chords behind it and, uh, try and fill it in and make a song with it and, uh, bring it to the Lord. And if it feels like you're praising him and it feels like the song is all about him and the song is all about him and it, then it becomes something that's beautiful. Uh, and it's for the Lord. So. I think, I feel like that's my experience of preaching as well, because, uh, so you can, you can kind of get the sense of this because on the weekends I'm giving these readings, uh, but, I also have my pulse from the week of like mm-hmm. w- what's going on, who I'm interacting with, the stuff that God's doing in my life, the stuff of like where I'm straying, where I'm meeting other people who are straying, where I'm uh, where I'm encountering blessings and graces and resurrection stories and redemption and how my family's doing, how my friends are doing, uh, what's going on in the world, what's going on here at the Catholic Center, and then all of a sudden I'm tossed a reading. And yeah. I'm tossed three readings. Yeah. Um, tossed a gospel, and yeah. and so the the challenge is the challenge is like okay well how like challenges I have a time limit that's 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 a challenge <laughs> it's like I only have a week to do this so you have to become you have to become very graceful with yourself you have to like uh, not be a perfectionist uh, but you also have to say okay you have to do it like real quick of saying like all right what is the situation that I'm in and the world and the pulse and then this gospel. And then trying to figure out a message that not just speaks to this community, but comes from the heart. Yeah. There's actually a, yeah. re- a real message. Yeah, there's there's so much vitality behind um, being honest and being real with everything that's going on. Because, you know, as crazy as the thoughts that we have, like we just did confession a little bit ago. Um, you know, a lot of the thoughts that we have, uh, we would never say to anybody because uh, <laughs> sometimes, you know, things might seem a little bit off. But a lot of people are thinking the same thing. They're experiencing something similar. There are a lot of people that need to hear that. They need to know. They need to feel the validation. They need to know that they're not in that struggle alone. They need to know that that's not just theirs, but it's uh, it's within the community of God's children. It's It's something that other people have as well, you know? And that's, that's speaking to a broader range of, like, um, say something of a struggle or an addiction or, you know, some lies that you're believing. That's, uh, you know, bringing the ideas behind it that that's not just them in there. They're not alone in the fight. That can, that can change things, being as honest as possible. And that's, that's one of the things with the music as well. Uh, when you're writing a song, if you can be as honest as possible. I'm, I'm working on a song right now that um, the Lord inspired on my heart. Um, and it just, it came through a, like a a flurry of me bringing him so many things that are going on in my life, so many different changes that are occurring and just feeling like I'm not able to hold all the weight, just bringing it to him and dumping it at his feet and him just saying, slow down, you know, 
I got this. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. I always say that the honest prayer is the best prayer, right? Because you can show up to prayer and do like a whole bunch of devotions, which is great. Uh, but you could also like be missing the exact thing that you probably should be praying about. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so like the honest prayer, like again, identifying where you are and then sitting in that and in it, sometimes we like we can't articulate it, but we can feel it. And so you can even just like sit in the church or sit in your prayer space in your home or wherever and just sit in that feeling. And that itself is the prayer because it's honest. It's like, this is where I am. And I don't even know how to begin to articulate this. Yeah. Living where you're at is definitely a, a great thing to do. Uh, spiritually, it's it's uh, exhilarating for the spirit to be able to be yourself and uh, to be able to be who God made you to be. Uh, it's, it's really cool when you have the opportunity that you really connect with some liturgy that's going on. Like, say you're in the Mass and uh, the reading is exactly what you needed to hear. Or... Uh, the priest touches in his homily on something that you really needed to hear, like something that uh, is going on for you. Uh, those are really cool moments when you know you're connected to the spirit in that kind of way. But it's also so important to be fully alive and fully here, be fully present to be able to be connected to the spirit in that way. We don't always see, we can't always visibly see and visibly feel God working, but He is at work. He's He doesn't stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least in my own life. And if God's working in my own life, God's probably working in other people's lives. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's cool. Like, um, another song, uh, just to go back to the music stuff, this last uh, weekend, a song was released by Novum, uh, the people that James and I are working with. Um, they released a song called Even in the Silence. And uh, it really attests to the fact that, you know, the Lord's always working. It says, even in the silence, you are with me. Even though I can't see, you are with me. Uh, you know, you are for me. It's just the idea that the Lord is uh, always at work with us, even if we don't get to see, uh, you know, physical outpouring. But he's he's doing something. He's making all things new. Yeah. Behold, I make all things new. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I've found over the years is, particularly with Matt Marr, Right, so Matt Marr has been this Catholic praise and worship music leader, worship leader, uh, and has done a phenomenal job with it. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I like about his music it, are the lyrics. Right, there's an incredible amount of sophistication. It's almost like spiritual sophistication. Like this dude has a spiritual life. And he's like in a place that I hope to eventually get to in some time in my life. Uh, yeah. In, in, in terms of like his walk with God and his walk with uh, other people. It's like it's, an inc- it's incredibly inspiring. But like rarely do I see that in Christian music or in, um, in praise and worship music specifically is like the expression of the individual's prayer life. Um, I've been listening to a, a dude named Brother Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He's, he's a, a Franciscan, a CFR up in New York. Uh-huh. Uh, and they do work with the poor. They do work uh, you know, with, to the, on the people in the streets. And he's playing music. And like all this music, again, is just like an expression of his prayer. Like it's what he's praying yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, and it's exactly what we're talking about. And I think Matt Marr, Matt Marr opened my eyes to that because 
not every not every song is like uh, joyful, and I think that in terms of like praise and worship, um, from like other other bands, Bethel, Hillsong. I mean, they're all very good at at what they do, and they're the best in the business, really. Um, but uh, what uh, Matt Marr would do is that he actually like covers the breadth of emotion that we as humans experience and then inserts God into those and has God speak to those, uh, which is exactly what you're talking about uh, with this song, even in the silence. It's like, all right, well, like, what about silence? Because silence is this human experience that is yeah. very lonely and it's very um, exhausting and uh, it's very frustrating and so what about those feelings? Yeah. What about those emotions? What about that experience? Yeah, like what about um, what about the moments when you're not on top of the mountain, but you're not in the bottom of the valley? You're just in between, you know? What about those moments? Those are great to sing about. Um, it's super, super funny that you just brought up that Matt Marr, that you were just thinking about that. I actually, earlier today, I was writing a history paper, and that thought literally crossed my mind. I don't always think of Matt Marr. <laughs> That's super weird that you brought that up. I was literally writing a history paper earlier, and I was thinking to myself, wow, Matt Marr's music inspired me so much. And I was just thinking about the absolute honesty that went into it and just how intellectual it is and how uh, just uh, amazing it is. <laughs> just That's super funny that you brought that up. I was thinking about that earlier today. It's great. It's great theology. Yeah. He has great theology. Yeah. He has great understanding. The message is always great. Yeah. And the mess it's profound. Like it's a profound message. Uh, and that's one thing I love about Catholicism is that we have this we take the spiritual life seriously. We do the spiritual life. We have a history of people who do the spiritual life. Uh, and we all embark on that uh, together. Yeah. And there's so many resources, there's so many richness, there's so many different kinds of prayer and ways of articulating things and different uh, ways of living out this prayer life. Uh, but, but, and I think Matt Marr, he's like, he's got a place at the table in terms of, in terms of uh, being a part of our spiritual tradition as a, as a Catholic church. Yeah, I mean, we sing it at uh, Seeking Water. We sing at the very end every single time. We sing his version that he wrote of the Divine Praises. He went to enough length to write that that he didn't publish it in a way that he gets money for that. He wrote it in such a way that it actually isn't fully published. That's just his version. Yet everywhere that I've been since I started doing Life Teen events or you know any Catholic youth ministry, every adoration night we've always sang the Matt Marr version of the Divine Praises. And that version that he brought... He didn't bring it for money. He brought it just so he could provide it for the church as a resource. So it's like a gift to the church. It's a gift to the church. Gift to the people of yeah. God. Gift to anyone who's gathering together for prayer. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at um, if you look at some of these other artists, such as Pat Barrett or Chris Tomlin, uh, any super famous, even a bunch of these Bethel songs, you look at the writers, you're going to see Matt Marr's name. He's on so many of these songs you had no idea it's amazing uh, the man has written he's probably co-wrote as many songs as he's wrote for himself and he's written a lot he's got a lot of stuff out there uh, yeah my family loves Matt Marr we uh 
I remember being at home in high school. My uh, my dad went with me to, we saw him. It was my second time going to a Mamar concert. We were at one of the Catholic churches nearby, and my dad bought the CD. And my dad's a CD guy, and he would just be jamming it all the time. I'd come out, and I'd have Your Grace is Enough playing or <laughs> anything. And it was the live album, too. It was beautiful. Very cool. That is cool. Yeah. Man. That, yeah, that's inspiring. I think I just saw on Instagram him uh, co-writing with a a non-Catholic, a Christian worship leader that yeah. I know. Yeah, and he does that. That's one of the fantastic things about Matt Marr. He, uh, for me personally, um, I won't go too deep into my walk, but I had a lot of uh, moments where I was uncertain if I wanted to, you know, fully commit to my Catholic faith or if the Lord was calling me to, you know, maybe go to a non-denominational church and be a part of that kind of community. Um, Matt Marr is just a great inspiration to follow in the way that he works with so many people that aren't just Catholics. And he, he really opens the door for us. And he really shows um, other worship artists that the Catholic Church means business. We're not just here to sit by and sing hymns and things like that. We can write music too. We can hang, you know? Yeah, especially especially for him. Entering into a non-Catholic context that is that has like more people, uh, especially here in the Bible Belt, they have more people at their churches. They have uh, big events, uh, but then they bring in Matt Marr, who has this like he's just basically representing the Catholic Church's spirituality, which is yeah. depth, which is depth, which is tradition. Uh, which is sitting in prayer, sitting in front of Blessed Sacrament, going to confession, um, gathering together for Eucharist. It's like all of that forms the spiritual life. And so they like, it's funny because they bring him in yeah. uh, to do this. Yeah, and he's, he's awesome. He's very versatile. And uh, he really, uh, to build on the idea of him opening the door for us as Catholics in worship and doing uh, you know the music stuff, uh, the music stuff, <laughs> uh, writing worship music, it really, you know, there's not enough there. There's not, an, there aren't enough Catholic artists that have, you know, seen the light for their beautiful work that they've done. Matt Marr is a great beacon of somebody who's absolutely made it into the public eye and done that. Uh, we also see artists like Audrey Assad, who he actually worked with for many years and toured with. Um, she's made it. She has a lot of uh, very popular songs that are sang in non-denominational churches, um, and uh, you know I would love to see more Catholic artists do what Matt Mars doing, and really get out there on the world stage and be able to work with all these non-denominational ministries such as Passion or uh, you know Bethel Hillsong. Uh, it would just be wonderful to see. listening to the Catholic Dogs Podcast. The Catholic Center is located at 1344 South Lumpkin Street. For more info on how you can get involved, check out our Instagram at Catholic Dogs. See you at Mass.